From St. John's Gospel, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Happy Mother's Day on the Feast of the Good Shepherd. Today is Good Shepherd Sunday, and many of you know it. Every year we read this text from today, from John's Gospel, Jesus saying, I am the Good Shepherd. I will be honest with you amongst a fr friends, a small gathering here this morning, I just don't get it. <laughs> this good, good Shepherd Sunday has never really made a whole lot of sense to me. I don't know anything about sheep. I don't wear wool. wool and uh, I'll tell you what happened once when I was the rector of Trinity Church in Red Bank, New Jersey. If you don't know where that is, it's up north somewhere. And um, over the altar, there was a great big stained glass window of what you think of of Jesus as a good shepherd, right? Jesus with his long hair, curly hair, well-manicured hair, uh, rudy cheeks, little rouge, you know, long flowy dress, no shoes, of course. And uh, he's standing with all these sheep around him in this long flowy dress. And I said to the, I said to the congregation, I almost got fired for this. I said, uh, you know, I'm, I look at that window. I'm not sure if this is Jesus the Good Shepherd or Jesus the Breck Girl Sunday. And that's kind of an important image because we hear this Jesus the good shepherd and we have this image of Jesus and this sort of like, we don't hear Jesus the good shepherd, we hear Jesus the nice shepherd, the kind shepherd who likes to play with the sheep and scratch them behind their little ears and get a little wubby with this. That's what we hear. That's what I hear. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. Uh, but Scripture doesn't say that Jesus is the nice shepherd. It says that he is the good shepherd, and nice and good are two very, very different things. So let's dive, do a deep dive on this today. Jesus says that he is the, that's the operative word, the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. What does that even mean to say he's the good shepherd? Is he the marginally competent shepherd? Is he the ethically superior shepherd? Is he, uh, is he uh, the, the, the uh, shepherd that would lead all others in the best practice, practices of shepherding? I don't know. What does good mean there? And then also, what in the world is going on with this other idea about Jesus dying for these sheep? I mean, you know, if you stop and think about these days, you know, you can get, there's a lot of meat in here. And if you think, well, what does it mean to be good after all, firstly? And secondly, what does it mean to be a shepherd that dies for sheep? Does that even make any sense? Well, it will in a minute. So two things I want to look at today. Uh, what is, or sorry, excuse me, who is the good shepherd? It's not as obvious as you think. <clears throat> and what makes Jesus the good shepherd? So who is this good shepherd? And what makes Jesus the good shepherd? So first thing is, who is the good shepherd? Well, the obvious answer is what? Jesus, right? You're in church. The answer is always Jesus. <laughs> um, it's not like Jeopardy, right? Every, the answer is always Jesus here, right? But, but there's a lot more to it than meets the eye if you understand what's going on. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Well, if you don't know first century biblical Greek, that word I am is a very, very important expression. It's two Greek words, ego, eimi. And it's used seven times in John's gospel. Seven, seven, <laughs> is the number of perfection and completion in the New Testament. So seven times Jesus says, I am, fill in the blank. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am today the good shepherd. 
But here's the interesting thing. I am is not just a description of his present condition, right? Like I'm saying I'm the husband of Kathy Rodriguez, or I'm a Penn State fan, which I am, actually. Um, in Greek, that I am, ego eimi, is an enormous, an enormous statement. And I'll, tell, I'll show you how. Remember, you're a first-century Jew. If you're hearing this text, you are a first-century Jewish man or woman standing there listening to him talking. And when you hear the word I am, you're, you know, you're, that rings a bell, you know? Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Moses goes to, uh, God comes to Moses and says, Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh, you know, the guy who wants to kill you, and I want you to go and I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go, and I will lead you out to a place that I'll show you down the road. Moses is confused. He says, I'll do it, kind of like Ananias from last week. I'll go, Lord, even though I'm a little freaked out by a burning bush talking to me on a mountain here. A little weird. But God, Moses, Moses says to God, God, I will go, but who do I tell them has sent me? And this is really interesting. Who do I tell them has sent me? Like, what is your name? You know, gods in the ancient, you know, Christian, human gods are always in a, a position of superiority over humans, but not in the Old Testament, always. Moses says, if I go and tell your people to follow me, what is your name? And God says to Moses, Moses, my name is Elon Musk. No, I'm just joking. You're awake? Moses says, God says to Moses, my name is I am. We say Yahweh. It's a, it's a Hebrew word, but it doesn't actually make any sense. It's a, the word would be like I isness. It's a continuous word. The point is, I am means essentially you can define nothing. I have no external referent. There's nothing which compares to me that you can compare me to to name me. But more importantly, this idea of I am, listen, is God's proper name. His first name, his only name. My, my baptized name is Christopher, as you probably guessed. So God says, Moses, my name is I am. Now, stop and think about that for a sec, right? Now Jesus, it says, they, Jesus says to the crowds there, I am the good shepherd. That's not obvious to you, but it would have been in the context. Not in reference to God in the burning bush, but in reference to himself. That's astounding. What Jesus is saying is, yeah, uh, and then later, actually in chapter 8, he says this. Um, another one, in John 8, 58, Jesus says to the people that are really trying to stone him, he says, you know, before Abraham was, I am. Now, Abraham's been dead for 2,000 years, roughly. Jesus is 30-something years old, right? And he says, yeah, before Abraham was, yeah, I am. That's me. You've got you to gotta stop and think to yourself, what, is, what in the world is going on? Is this dude out of his mind? Is he crazy? They even say, has he got a demon? Is he insane? Read the end of the text. Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. What he's just saying about himself is that he is not the nice shepherd. He is not the wandering guru. He's not some nice guy who's always nice and never offends people. No way, man. The God, the Jesus of Scripture is a man who challenges everyone, including you and I, to think about who this person is. He makes the claim, I am the God who existed before time itself. Jesus says about himself, I am the God of all creation, the God who met Moses in the burning bush. Yeah, it's me. 
The God who uh, uh, caused the Israelites to cross the Red Sea? Yep, I did that. The God who, the, the plagues of Egypt? Yep, that's mine. Jesus says, I am the God who created you. You, the person in your chair. Jesus says, I am the most powerful being that has ever existed. The great, to quote Thomas Aquinas, one of my favorite theologians, Jesus says, I am, in fact, the uncaused cause, the ground of all of it. I am the one who's the author of all this, and I came to earth as your shepherd for you. So don't miss the gravity of this. Who is this shepherd? Who is he? Is he Jesus? Well, yes, but he's Jesus who claims to be God. He is the only, he is, he is not a good shepherd, he is the good shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. I am the God of the universe who has become a man to come to earth to save you. The only, the only shepherd I am, Jesus says. So who is this good shepherd? Jesus Christ, the incarnate Son of God. But then at least the second point, if it's Jesus who claims to be God, then what makes this good shepherd good? Here's another one. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he says. And the good shepherd, listen, lays down his life for the sheep. Listen to that slowly. I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Let me ask you a question. Is that true? <laughs> Let's think about it. I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. Is that true? You know, my, um, Amy and I, my oldest daughter and I, used to watch this uh, show called Deadliest Catch. You ever seen it? It's on TV. They have these guys from somewhere in Alaska, and they get on these, ship, these boats, and they go out in the middle of the North Atlantic. Yeah, no thanks, man. I'll hang out in Florida, and I'll watch it from remote. But they get on, they put on these, ship, these, uh, these crab boats. They put out pots. It's dangerous work. And there was this one dude. I don't know his name. He was the, uh, the captain of a boat called the Cornelia. I think it's the Cornelia or Corn something like that. Anyway, picture this. Here you are interviewing this captain of the Cornelia Maria, I think is the name of this boat. And, uh, you say, and the guy says, you know, he got him on the bridge and he takes a cigarette out of his mouth and says, yeah, you know what? Yeah, that's me. I'm the Alaskan crab fisherman here. It's a dangerous mission. Not everybody could do this. But I am the good crab fisherman. And the good crab fisherman lays down his life for the crabs. Think about Is that sane? No. Say you're a hamster farmer. I, I presume somebody farms hamsters. And you said, I am a hamster farmer, and a good hamster farmer lays down his life for his hamsters. It's ridiculous. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, and I lay down my life for the sheep. What does that even mean? Don't miss this. Look, it, it logically... A good shepherd, in fact, would not lay down his life for the sheep for a couple of reasons. Their life isn't worth what the shepherd's life is worth, or is it in this case. And then secondly, if you lay down your life for one sheep, what about the rest of them? They're going to get wiped out. And I don't even own these sheep. These are, these are Bob's sheep, and I'm watching these sheep for Bob. I don't care. These are not mine. I'm somebody else's. Who cares? A couple, we lose a couple. They fall off a cliff. Big deal, right? A good shepherd, in fact, does not lay down his life for the sheep unless there's one thing which is true. Well, two things. Three things. Maybe four. <laughs> he loves those sheep. 
He owns the sheep, and most importantly, by dying for them, he solves all of their, he conquers all of their enemies all at once. It only makes any sense for a shepherd to die for the sheep if he loves the sheep, if he owns them, Jesus says, and if somehow by the shepherd's death, all of the enemies of those sheep are once and for all destroyed, period. The only way, another way to say it is like this, the only way for a shepherd to die for a sheep makes any sense at all is if in dying, all of those sheep's enemies, listen, are destroyed forever. If in dying, the sheep's lives are made safe, saved permanently. Last week, we talked about a guy named Ananias, right? Ananias. Remember him? He was, he was called by Jesus to go to Saul of Tarsus and, tell, and, and lay his hands on Saul. And Ananias knows that Saul is going to whack him because Saul's going to kill Ananias in Damascus. God says, Ananias, go lay your hands on Saul and, and, I will, and I will solve his problem. And Ananias goes. We talked about this last week. He goes. Why? Because Ananias trusted Jesus. Simply that. But I'm going to tell you something. Ananias was scared to do it. it. says so in the text. I'm not making this up. He was afraid to go because he was afraid that Saul would kill him, which, given the chance, Saul would have. But Ananias knew something because Ananias is a sheep, like you and like me. Ananias knew that whatever the world threw at him, whatever the world threw at him, whatever the world did to him, it's going to be okay. Family problems, health problems, death of a loved one, financial issues. I got you somewhere in there, I'm sure. Something, we all have got something going on. Everyone's got something. Maybe, you're, maybe, maybe your most pressing issue right now is, in fact, some overzealous Pharisee from Tarsus. I don't know. But I want you to think about this. Ananias went to confront Saul because Ananias knew that even if Saul had killed him, the worst thing... It would be okay, because Ananias knew that Jesus had saved him. And Ananias knew that when Christ returns, Ananias, even if Saul killed him on the spot, would have been raised from the dead. And that all the things that Ananias worried about were, in fact, already solved. If not in this life, certainly in the life to come. Do you see where I'm going with this? The only way the death of a shepherd makes any sense is if in the death of that shepherd, all of the sheep's enemies, and that's you and I, are conquered. So let me ask you a question. What do you fear? That's probably lots of things. What do you fear? It? What do you fear in your own heart right now? And, and, and why? And if you're not sure why, buckle in. I'm going to tell you why. You ready? You still awake? What do you fear and why? I'm going to tell you. The reason you fear anything as a Christian is because you're actually following the wrong shepherd. You know, Jesus says, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, and they follow me. Shepherds in the first century would lead their sheep. They'd walk in front of them, and the sheep would come behind them, because sheep are stupid. They need someone to follow, like you and like me, right? But the reason you worry, and the reason you're scared, and the reason you are fearful about anything at all is because your eyes are actually on the wrong shepherd. Maybe you know it's Jesus in here, or in here, but in here, your heart actually goes over here a little. And mine does too. That's why I'm calling you out. And myself, by the way. Maybe you've never thought about this before. But 
we all put our hope and our confidence in other things, other shepherds and other people. Maybe your hope is in your kids or your spouse or your friend. But those shepherds are false. They will fail you. They cannot not fail you. Maybe your hope is in your priest. Guess what? Don't put me in that place. I will fail you. I'm a sinner. I'm a fallen human being. People that we, we put false shepherds in place and they fail us. You know, right now, we are in the middle of a Supreme Court controversy about Roe versus Wade. I think you've probably heard about this, right? Um, I am no legal scholar, but I am pro-life from conception to natural death, period. But my point of this is that both sides of the current controversy have dug in, right? They're dug in. And they're saying on the one side, victory, or we think, maybe. One thing is, this is horrible, it's a conspiracy, it's the Russians, whatever. But I want you to notice something. If you go, take, come out of the, the you know, go down a level. In both cases, we are putting our trust in other shepherds. Sam Alito, or whatever, whoever it is. The other side, we, we all do this. We put our trust in other shepherds, but other shepherds besides Jesus will always fail you. Look, you don't want to put your trust in men or women. I mean, it's a generic idea. Don't put your trust in the confidence of other people, the Supreme Court, or the governor, or the president, or whomever. They will fail you. They cannot not fail you. And I wonder how much time we cause much ang angst and grief and frustration and distraction. We put on our own hearts because we look to shepherds besides Jesus to solve the problem. I want to think, of, for you, think about this for a minute. Think of all the problems in the world right now, and there's lots, and it depends on what chair you sit in, what's most important to you. War in Ukraine, it's a biggie. We could get nuked any minute, that's kind of a biggie. Inflation, interest rates, stock market, Apple stock, yikes, that was bad this week. These are hard times, man. The politicians have let us down, but politicians will always let you down. They have always let us down, and they will always let us down because they are not the good shepherd. They are shepherds, but they're not the good shepherd. And so the good shepherd is good because what he does solves all the problems in your life and in mine. And if not in this life, certainly in the next. The good shepherd is good because he puts you ahead of himself. The good shepherd is good because he lays down his life for yours. He's the only one, Jesus, the good shepherd, who solves all the problems of this world once and for all. Full stop. He has conquered death itself. So why do you worry? Why do you stress over these things? You know, Saul, later on, the guy that wants to kill Ananias, later on, Saul, once he's become St. Paul, says famously, Oh, death. Where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Bring it. If death has been conquered, friends, and then when, when Jesus returns, we will be raised with him in glory. That means you and I are immortal. You and I are invincible. No matter what happens in this world, it's going to be all right. Because this world is not the end. You want to know why? Because fundamentally, and at the end of the day, all other shepherds will fail you and me. But Jesus is the good shepherd. And when he returns, he will set the worlds to rights. And no matter what happens, it's going to be okay.
Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who is, in fact, the good shepherd, who cares for us, whom we follow, who dies for us to save us, and promises us that when he returns, he will set the world to rights once and for all. We thank you, Lord, for Jesus, our good shepherd, the good shepherd, who dies for us, his sheep, and brings us to lives of joy and peace and confidence, knowing that in the end, We'll all be okay in his name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook. 